Hey, okay, Caitlin, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? You yeah. mentioned a 90-day productivity sprint. I think I may be ahead of you on that one. Oh, yes? Yeah, this has been uh, one of the craziest uh, months in my entire life in terms of the amount of events and um, different things that I've been showing up to and accomplishing. It's been a very yeah. productive for me so far. Oh, really? What? What are you up to? Um, so there's obviously this, there's the article that I wrote for you over on your site, and then there's also I uh, managed and um, organized a meetup event in um, the Notori Ryu group on Facebook, a group about samurais and ninja, um, and their the proper historical uh, record of samurai and ninja. Um, and then I also helped to organize and um, worked on creating a presentation for a group on Sherlockian deduction over with Ben Cardall. Um, Sherlockian deduction. That's the first time I've heard those two words together. You know, the, so deduction, deductive reasoning is actually a specific logical process um, by which um, people can use to create valid inferences. Sherlockian deduction includes deduction, but it's more of just what Sherlock Holmes did. So it involves deduction and induction and abduction, but it also involves understanding um, a myriad of different random pieces of information by which you can then feed into your conclusions and also an understanding of human psychology and many other different fields in order to be able to draw as many different um, valid conclusions from your environment as possible while being as attentive to the details as you can be. Right. So taking note of the dogs that do not bark. Yeah. And also um, eliminating all which is impossible, uh, leaving whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. That kind of thing. Right, right. When I was younger, I I tried to read some Sherlock Holmes, and I I couldn't get into it. Maybe maybe I should maybe I should give it another go because I yeah I remember I found it to be kind of uh, tedious. I got a when I was really little. I got a master Sherlock Holmes book that had a lot of um, references and um, footnotes and whatnot. So a lot of times, a lot of the harder words were there in the footnotes, and a lot of the context that's missing by us not being in um, Victorian-era England was there. So it really brought the book to life for me and made it a lot easier for me to understand what was going on and what was happening in each story. So that was a big portion of why I got so into them when I was younger. And are you using the Cordyceps creatine stack like every day? Um, I am using creatine every day. I use Cordyceps frequently, though I tend to um, run lower on it than I ought to be um, 
with the amount of shipment that it's in. So I tend towards cycling with the creatine or with the uh, cordyceps, which I feel like is probably accidentally better anyways. Yeah. Um, the, I think creatine is something that's more appropriate to use as almost kind of like a daily, as like a daily nootropic because yeah. of that, uh, that full spectrum effect that it has as a mitochondrial nootropic. Whereas the, with the cordyceps, that effect that it can have, it, yeah, it seems like something you'd really want to cycle. Yeah, and a lot of these are understanding the different cycles that play into our biology and understanding. And a lot of this also comes from like older um, philosophies like yin and yang. Um, but really what that just means is cycles of um, collection and cycles of explosiveness. So, you know, resting and then being productive rather than just a lot of modern society focuses on just the yang, just the, the productivity, the hustle culture and whatnot. Um, whereas lately we've started to bring in more of that um, understanding of we should probably be resting and we should probably be, you know, recovering from these things as well. Um, but yeah, cordyceps are really useful for um, being used intelligently in those cycles, as are things like phenylparacetam, for example. Um, and you know, a lot of more modern biohackers that do their jobs well, um, seem to have sort of an unconscious understanding of this. That's why, um, sleep hacks and, um, and making your sleep more efficient is so prized amongst biohackers uh, is because when you're, um, pushing into the yang, you really need to make sure that your yin is under control, that your rest, that your recovery is on point, because otherwise you'll just spin out and burn out. That was a big problem that I had when I was younger. But yeah. And w would you say that I, I'm kind of a fan, I'm kind of a fan of dabbling in the extremes. Would you say that it's probably appropriate to, like if you're a younger man, to like be like to be like 80, 90% yang and like 10, 20% yin. And then oh. as the decades pass, kind of a readjustment on that. I would say that in order to do things intelligently, number one, I would say that when you're a younger guy, um, your rest tends to be more efficient anyways. So as a result, you can get away with being a lot more yang as it were. Um, and pushing a lot harder because you'll go through and, um, especially like, uh, Adam Straninsky uh, over at the Bionair talked about this a little bit. Um, he mentioned that when he was younger, he used to be able to, um, go do a full cl um, class load at college and then, um, go out drinking with his buddies, come back home and do a full workout and then well drunk and then wake up the next day <laughs> and then you know as he started to old uh, started to get older that became like he had to be a lot more careful with his recovery otherwise he would start to get injured and he said the reason he thinks that happened is because he also had a lot less responsibilities when he was younger he had a lot less stress when he was younger he had a lot less going on when he was younger so as a result he could take a hour and a half nap in the middle of the day 
and nothing bad would happen. So he was able to rest a lot more naturally, and thus, as a result, he was able to push a lot harder when he was pushing. So I would say that the biggest thing is, um, as you age, that's when you need to really start dialing in the um, focus on having efficient yin, um, chi building, gathering, um, so that that way you can support that continual output. So that would yep. be my biggest thing is I would say that the extremes that I would push towards would be making both sides of the cycle more extreme. You know? Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Caitlin, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, I would I would say I'm 40 now, and I definitely notice the the difference in being able to push myself. And, you know, just, you know, five years ago, I was able to do like modafinil, you know, every single day, you know, not a whole pill or anything, but, but nowadays it's, I don't know if it's just that my body is kind of, in a way it kind of feels like I'm on modafinil every day now, even though I'm, I, I don't take it every day. And so maybe that's why when I take it, it becomes a problem, but you know, I, I can only take like a tiny little bit at a time. And that's even the same with rhodiola, you know, I can't do that every day, especially not at like 400 milligrams or anything. So. Yeah, I'd say as you start to get older, at least I'm I'm starting to notice differences in what I can, how hard I can push myself. Yeah, and something kind of similar with my phenylparacetam usage. Um, I think a lot of that as well is these are cycles that are daily, but also on a weekly, monthly, and yearly basis as well. Um, work used to be very seasonal back in the days of farmers and whatnot. Um, you know, you would. Um, start your crop in early spring and then you would um, have a little bit of work throughout spring and then summer would happen and your plants would grow and you would need to harvest it and there'd be all of this work in the summer um, and then it would start to get cool in the fall and we would have you'd um, finish your last harvests preserve all of your food and hunker down for the winter time so that's you know a uh, much more macro version of the yin yang cycle there that in modern times we don't really pay attention to as much because we work, a lot of us work in offices or other situations with climate control. And so we don't really have to worry about what the seasons are like, but it still has an effect on our mood. It still has an effect on our energy levels. And it still is something that we should consider when um, considering how we lean into these cycles. Um, anyways, yeah. Yeah, the intentional seasonality uh, cultivating intentional seasonality in one's life is something that's worth, that's worth kind of thinking about. But I, I will say that I am a really big fan of relentless ambition. And I think that using the tools uh, available to us, using things like meditation, using the yin herbs, using uh, tantric practice, things like that. I think that you can, I think that you can really mitigate uh, the possibility of burnout because we've all, we, we, we've all probably known people, uh, men probably that struggled with burnout, that they were, they were hustlers, they were entrepreneurs or, or they were just, yeah, really motivated career professionals and they didn't have like the biohacking thing going on. And then they eventually had like a catastrophic 
kind of burnout. And I would say for myself, I'm 36 now, and I have been going pretty hard on working on the things that I find meaningful, working on uh, imposing on the world what, uh, what, what, I, what, I, what, what I really believe in, what I'm passionate about. And I, I have never had an episode of, of burnout. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people that, that worked like an entrepreneur that do seven day, they do seven days a week. I think they would have some sort of, some sort of burnout. So I think that, uh, yeah, when we're, when we're younger men, uh, especially if we're implementing the biohacking tools, uh, that are available, I think we can probably push ourselves uh, a bit harder, but I, I definitely don't, uh, aspire to be like, uh, Ray Kroc or whatever. Oh, and it looks like rock wants to join. And so I'll admit him to join him or her <laughs> rock. I'm assuming that rock is a him, but it could be a her or it could be a, you never know. You never know. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think as men using these tools, I think we probably have the capacity to push ourselves, uh, a little bit further but definitely, like, uh, I want to be a person that when I'm, like, uh, 50, 60 years old, I'm going to be, like, doing yoga on the beach on the regular or doing yoga on the, side of a, on the side of a mountain. I don't see myself maintaining uh, a degree of workaholism into those later decades of life. Yeah, and my grandpa, he's one of the guys that um, he is still a raging workaholic um, to this day. Um, he can't lift his arms above his head anymore, and um, when he grips something, you can barely feel it. But he's still out there building houses, working the quarry, and um, operating loaders, um, from what I, last I heard, every day, and just going out there and hammering things out. So, like, it's definitely something that you can still maintain if you're stubborn enough. Um, but apparently, um, older people in China, it's normal for, to see them out there doing Tai Chi. China, it's normal for to um, see them out there doing Tai Chi. Hmm? Oh, hey, Mr. Rock, you may want... Are, are you getting... Yeah, how is it going? Are you getting... Feed, yeah, you may want to put in your headphones... So we're yeah. not getting that feedback? Yeah, I had put that in. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Hey, are you my friend from Israel? No, of course I'm not. Okay, okay, my bad. Your, uh, your, 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 your accent what? reminded me of... What? Oh, okay, okay, it's okay. But I don't know what is your topic that you are talking about and... Oh, biohacking and life hacking. Are you, have you followed Limitless Mindset? No, actually, uh, I have just joined. Oh, right on, right on. Where are you calling in from? Uh, I come from Iran. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so biohacking is related to health and um, you can think of a, a hacker is someone yeah. who aims to control a system, whether it's a yeah. technological system or perhaps even a social system. A hacker aims to exercise 
complete control. Thus, a biohacker is someone that uses scientifically validated tools to exercise a complete degree of control over their body, over their brain, over their Mm -hmm. mindset. So we are into meditation, we're into smart drugs, we're into um, we're into uh, diet hacking, be very, being very, very intentional about our diet so that we have maximal energy levels, uh, mitigation of illness, along with, uh, along with just longevity that we can look forward to a long, fruitful, vital life. Oh, I haven't heard about it before. But it sounds uh, real great because if somebody can, uh, I don't know, probably use your head as a remote control and also uh, probably force you to uh, don't smoke anymore or something like that, it probably should be good. Certainly, certainly. Have you tried meditation? Actually, I haven't tried it before, but I uh, now uh, it's really good for your brain and your focus. Uh, I really keen on uh, to understand what is this topic. Yeah, so go. Yeah, so the best place to start with meditation is there's a number of quite good meditation apps where you lay down or you sit down and you put the headphones in and then they take you through a guided meditation. And you'll have a typically a guy with a very soothing voice that will talk you through this practice. Of uh, You typically start by focusing on your breathing, by focusing on slow, rhythmical breathing and you'll do that for about five minutes maybe 10 minutes and then you will kind of then you will kind of clear you'll try to clear your head you'll try to keep your head clear of thoughts which is quite challenging for most people especially like the first time that you that you you try it you're kind of going to suck at it and but you'll you'll be there you'll be sitting there and maybe you'll be listening to like hollow sync style music maybe you'll be listening to music that is very uh, rhythmical that puts you into a relaxed state and you'll have these you'll, you'll be trying to maintain an empty mind and as you're trying to maintain this empty mind you'll have this various thoughts that pop up like you'll You'll think about your family, you'll think about work, you'll think about uh, bills that you have due, you'll think about all these petty little concerns will kind of pop up. And what you want to do as that happens is you want to, you want to be non-judgmental of yourself. You, you don't want to say like, oh shit, I just screwed up and I just screwed up and had a thought when I'm trying to not think about anything. What you want to do is be kind of observant of the thoughts as they arise. And then you want to imagine kind of a blue sky. You imagine a beautiful, clear blue sky. And you imagine the the thoughts that pop up as clouds. And as those clouds pop up, 
you want to simply kind of be observant and you want to say, oh, there's a thought. Oh, there's a thought. And you acknowledge the thought and then you kind of return to this uh, clear mind. And the benefit that this has is that it uh, reduces stress and it reduces anxiety quite a bit. It gives you the, it gives you the capacity to be uh, more emotionally resilient and you get less frustrated and irritated by the small, petty, annoying things in life. So yeah, uh, try that. There's um, an app called uh, Headspace. I think the Headspace app is, uh, is probably the best um, to, to dive in on that. And it has a very good free version of it. But yeah, it's mm, something that I, I recommend uh, everyone, everyone try. It'll probably make you a, a cooler, a cooler guy. Um, I got it. The one by Sam Harris, I don't remember exactly what it's called, um, but it was quite good as well as a beginner entry-level meditation program. I would say probably Headspace first and do all of their free stuff and then move into Sam Harris's stuff. And then probably after that, you can start doing more just freestyle meditation without any guided. Um, and for that, um, Insight Timer, I believe that's... Yep, um, yep, yep. Is quite good as well. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of meditation as well. Um, one that I've been playing around with more lately is a uh, meditation called Hakalaku meditation. Um, the FBI calls it splatter vision and, um, well, a similar practice is called splatter vision by the FBI and in Another similar practice is called Owl Eyes by Survivalists. Basically, you want to widen your field of vision and focus on seeing all that you can see in your vision at the moment and just relaxing and allowing your vision to spread out as much as possible. Um, and this has the effect of, um, number one, being a meditative mindfulness practice because you're mindful of your um, everything in your visual field, but it also helps you scan more information more quickly and efficiently and also allows your nervous system to sort of defrag because when you're um, focused on a single point, um, that tells your nervous system that you have to focus on this and that it's um, that you are in a stressful fight or flight situation. Whereas if you allow your vision to um, spread out over the entire visual field, then it tells your nervous system that there isn't an active threat right now and we can relax. Um, it'll also make you more attentive to um, potential dangers more quickly without being paranoid or stressed and also just have faster reflexes in normal day-to-day -day life. As well, um, because of uh, neuroplasticity of the eyes, you can actually improve your vision by being mindfully attentive of it a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, so that's an extra side benefit of that one as well. And Kaylin, you're, you're a seasoned meditator, right? Yeah, I spent uh, nearly a year training to be a Buddhist monk in my early 20s. And Meditation is kind of a ambiguous term. I mean, basically people use it to refer to kind of mental exercises that we do usually without aids, you know, like dual and back is basically a meditation, except it has an aid. 
and like even back to the original Buddha, like the type of meditation they were talking about has nothing to do with any of the type of meditation we're talking about right now. In fact, it's, it's basically the inverse. I mean, we're talking about different types of focusing. And uh, basically their type of meditation was uh, to notice anything which is happening and, and recognize that that's not what you're looking for here, right? It's, it's uh, I think it's called like, kind of like a retroductive technique. But anyways, yeah, there's, there's, it really depends on what your goals are, which meditation you're going to do. And um, I personally, you know, I do kind of non-directed. I allow my mind, I, I do kind of qigong in the morning and I just stand in the, in the sun and I allow my body to move however it wants to move. And I don't try to focus my mind on anything. And then before I go to bed, I do a, and also when I wake up, I do a uh, microcosmic, microcosmic orbit meditation. Aha, uh -huh, yeah. So I'm moving up, the, up and down the, the main meridian channel. And Kalen, have you ever dabbled with the HRV devices? Oh yeah. Yeah, I used to have uh, what, the heart mask, whatever they call that. Yep, yep. Did you have the did you have the the little device or did you have the sensor thing with the app? I had the one with the app, the one you uh attached your ear lobe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you don't use that anymore though? No, I had I used to have so many biohacking things. But, uh, you know, I even had the Aura Ring, which also does HRV and tracks it over while you're sitting. But, you know, as I live outside, I, I get rid of things. And that basically I'm trying to my, – my whole biohacker journey at the moment is focused on doing all the same kind of biohacks that worked for me, but without all the tools. Like light hacking, you know, I just use the sun now, even though I used to have lasers and a big LED infrared uh, board and, and halogen lights and all this type of stuff. But now I just use the sun. Yes, Kalen has gone, he's almost gone complete caveman. He's like 90% 90, 90 of the way there. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, the transition from normal person to um, the transhumanist um, utopia all the way back down to the Paleolithic. <laughs> That's right. Uh, which, I mean, a lot of these things, like, you know, um, the reasons why they work is because that's it's simulating what happened in nature. So if you just sleep outside, then the natural temperature variations are going to help your sleep cycles, and the sun is going to pop up and wake you up at the right time. And yeah, no, it's it's a lot of just um, it's good to interrogate which aspects are necessary only because we live in a very modern life and which aspects we can just alter to be close, like, you know, actually in nature, as opposed yeah. to a lot of these convoluted devices, you know, just have a window open while you're sleeping. And now the temperature will change throughout the night, you know, assuming you're not somewhere you'll freeze to death, obviously, yeah. um, you know, have the window open in the middle of the night and then allow that natural temperature variation to aid your sleep and the light to come in and hit your eyes as opposed to having a smart um, thermostat programs to do that for you and light sensors that turn on at a specific time. Um, yeah, there's really ways to do it no matter what your situation are. You, know, you could be someone who's basically living in a, you know, underground bunker and you could pull this type of stuff off or like someone who's kind of in between living in a house on a farm or someone living in it in a tarp, you know, in the middle of winter. Yeah, and a lot of these things as well, um, it's 
finding a balance between the conveniences of modern life and the resiliency that our ancestors gained through hard living. Yeah. Uh, because obviously there are many aspects of, um, of um, historic living that we shouldn't seek to embody in our own lives. For example, going out there, eating raw meat and getting worms. Um, you know, that's <laughs> yeah, no thanks. not going to be beneficial to our lives. But there are certain things that I feel that we can bring back in that will have serious benefit in our lives because it's closer to the way that things used to operate. A similar thing um, on a tangentially related note um, is true of um, recently a specific individual, um, I believe his last name is Principal, but I don't remember his first name. Um, he has started to try to recreate alchemical experiments to see which aspects of it were absolute nonsense and which aspects of it have just been failed to be recreated so far. And some of the things that he's found are things like um, the glowing rock alchemists would make um, that you would leave out in the sun and then it would continue to have light for several hours afterwards. Only works in a specific region of Italy because the specific rock that they were using in that area, I believe it had a higher content of copper and than the rest of them in that region. So as a result, um, the copper would store up the energy from the sun once you've alchemically treated it in the way that they said. Um, whereas if the copper isn't present, then it's not going to do that. So that's why it's only reliable in that region. And then other stuff like, for example, there were experiments that he had to do not in a lab and instead in an area without climate control because the natural ambient temperatures affected it um, and was the thing that allowed it to work in the first place because it needed to be cooled off at specific times and heated up at specific times at the specific rates that the sun would give. Uh, so a lot of this is just that nature is oftentimes far more complex than we try to get credit for. And our reductionist view of things tends to talk about with the way that things are normal without nature. It's a similar problem with physical training as well. Um, a lot of people go to the gym for an hour a day and they um, go into a perfectly flat room, a gym, with perfectly flat, straight, round bars of a uniform shape and size, and then lift up the exact same weights every single day, um, increasing it by any amount um, in set reps and set um, positions, um, and they hope that that will make them stronger. Um, but oftentimes, what it leaves them is stronger, but only in a very specific, rigid way. And when they try to go, say, uh, move a couch with their friend, they throw their back out because they haven't been put under that proper stress of these various different angles that happen when you use strength in the real world. So as a result, training out in nature as well is a lot better than training in a gym. You can still train in a gym sometimes, especially if weather is not pro uh, is prohibitory, um, but at least occasionally going outside in either barefoot or in minimalist shoes, running around, grabbing a hold of trees and doing pull-ups pull on it, um, that kind of thing, will give you a far more robust strength than going into a gym and doing roughly the same movements, but under ideal circumstances. Yeah, although there's kind of a convenience, kind of a convenience trade-off. Like gyms, yeah. 
gyms make it pretty convenient. Yeah, and I'm not saying swear off gyms forever. You know, don't ever go into a gym or anything. I'm just saying try to introduce a little bit of variability in the way that you train in whatever way is a thing that you can do for that. And a lot of people are also really bummed out because of this whole coronavirus stuff that they can't go to gyms anymore because at least in certain areas and during certain time periods, they weren't able to go to their gym. Yeah. yeah like that's, that's what I'm dealing with. Thing. That's what I'm dealing with here is cause I, I'm unvaccinated. I'm not allowed to go to my gym anymore, yeah. which is, which is pretty ridiculous. So what I've been doing is training a lot of calisthenics and a lot of gymnastic moves um, using tools that I can easily afford and get a hold of, such as gymnastic rings and sandbags. Um, and so I'm doing a lot of more of that. And that's how I've been getting around not being able to go into a gym because they don't allow certain people. Um, but yeah. Um, moving back towards that uh, the meditation, I think um, it was brought up an interesting point that there's we can obviously delineate endlessly in categories, but I find that two useful ones are directive and non-directive meditation practices. And it was mentioned that what the type that you're going to use is dependent on your goals, but also. I think that as with a lot of these things, in order to be well-rounded, it's a good idea to have both kinds in your practice because both of them offer different benefits that are similar but distinct. Um, directive meditation helps more so with focus and being able to pay attention to things and is easily something that should be in any um, aspiring, well, not any, but it should be in many aspiring biohackers arsenal uh but non-directive is also very very useful because it leans more into creativity and um reduction of stress and um the ability to come up with novel ideas you won't come up with novel ideas um if you are always um every time your mind wanders you bring it back to the breath immediately you know, because you didn't give your brain a chance to be able to develop the idea that it was trying to develop. But that being said, it still has a place because it allows you to be more focused in the times when you need to be more focused. If you're, say, for example, writing an article, um, you don't want to constantly be getting distracted about what your kid is doing, um, how your kid is playing um, out in the yard. You want to be able to bring that attention back to your work. But at the same time, in order to come up with truly creative and novel ideas, we have to have that time to be able to relax our minds and um, think aimlessly and be able to take in and create these novel connections. So I find that both of them are both of them are very. What one of my hacks for that is that I do not bring my smartphone with me when I go to the bathroom. So, you know, I'll be working, I'm on my computer, I'm juggling 10 different things. And then when I go to the bathroom, I just, uh, yeah, I'm just sitting there uh, with no stimulation whatsoever. And a lot of times that's when, that's, that's when some inspiration uh, strikes. I mean, I, I think it's also good for uh for uh, avoiding getting like a ton of germs on your smartphone? Yeah, probably. I also find that uh, nature walks when I'm problem solving. And uh, I learned this 
from uh, How to Think Like Sherlock Holmes, um, written by Maria Konnikovia. Um, essentially, it's a process of um, going through, um, looking at all of the information, questioning yourself about what biases could be potentially be affecting your judgment, collecting all of the facts first, and then starting, and then, you know, once you have all of your facts sorted, uh, taking a step back, going for a walk, listening to the opera, etc., and then allowing your mind to have that distance and that space from the problem. And then when you come back, you'll be able to look at it from fresh eyes, and that's when you start creating all of these ideas as to how to solve the problem or um, how to look at um, coming up with conclusions about the data, et cetera. So um, being able to take a step back, go for a nature walk, for example, where you leave everything behind, or you go and you play the violin for a while, or you listen to some music that you really enjoy, and then to come back after having not thought about it for a while um, really helps to be able to come up with creative ideas. Sure, sure. So to uh, move the conversation on a little bit, I've got some, uh, I had gotten some Q&As from, from subscribers. Hey, babe. Hey, Joan. Hey, guys. Mrs. Mrs. Lim Mrs. Limitless is here. Unfortunately, the way I have to do this is with my is with my headphones on and standing up because otherwise my computer erupts into the flickering. I understand. So I'm just chatting with Denin and Kaylin and some guy from Iran. Oh, okay, nice. Yep, yep. So Kaylin, I wanted. I'm curious. Have you made any progress on my audiobook? Yeah, I'm about a, I'm a chapter in. I listened to the first chapter, and then uh, I got distracted by a, a few other things that I was trying to catch up on. But, yeah, uh, I think you basically – I'm guessing that the book's probably pretty well summarized in that first chapter. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I, think I captured – Kind of the uh, the essence of it, yeah. If you're if you're not gonna read the whole thing, then oh, at I least at least the first chapter. It. Right on, right on. And so I wanted to also ask what what new things, what new thing could be biohacking, could be otherwise. Are you guys going to take on in 2022? I'm going to be going into well, if everything is permitted. I will attempt to get into college and start down the path of becoming a lawyer. Uh, a so lawyer. I'm bringing a lot of my biohacking and um, capabilities that I've developed over the years into a slightly new arena and challenge that should be right up my alley in terms of my capabilities and my natural tendencies. Right on, right on. Yeah, I, I think if implementing everything that you do, I think you'll be a badass lawyer. It's just, yeah, it's just an incredible amount of amount of work. You know that uh, yes, what is that? Yeah, incredible, incredible. Do you want to be a uh, corporate attorney, civic attorney? The plan right now is to be a corporate attorney, but if I fall in love with something else <laughs> along the way, then I'll probably pursue that instead. But yeah, right now the plan is corporate attorney because it, number one, um, the connections and the, um, what's it called, the knowledge that will be there will be a lot more useful 
um, as someone who has uh, business aspirations, being able to understand how these systems work fully and understand what needs to be done in order to create a successful business, I feel is actually surprisingly well done as being a lawyer as well as um, by representing these clients, I'll also have direct access to influential people. Um, yeah. And at the same time, I can um, leverage my position as a badass corporate attorney to be able to push towards the kinds of goals and changes that I would like to see out in the world that directly relates to the skill sets that I have because I can go and represent that really awesome company that's going and doing the thing that I'd like to see more of in court and then protect them legally speaking. You know, I can go forth and um, make those connections and interactions with people, broker deals between different companies that I see going in the right direction, that kind of thing. Um, and then ideally, I'd like to, at some point, um, rise in the ranks and become the managing partner of the uh, one of the higher-up firms. That's my super ambitious goal. And then I can wield the fact that I am a managing partner in order to um, push towards um, a lot more change and a lot more... Um, benefit to society than I normally would have been able to do all by myself. Uh, so yeah, that's the goal right now. Yep. Okay. What about you, Kalen? My goal is kind of focused on the diet and, and my, and minimalism basically, and this survival lifestyle that I'm going for. So basically the, like reaching the goal will look like I will have a, a food or you know a, a couple of different types of food which I am able to carry with me and it's very compact and easy to prepare and has everything that I need and that I am only eating it and perhaps even only drinking during a one hour period of time every day. So, one thing that I, sorry, go ahead. Um, one thing that I would um, suggest is to um, make sure that whatever the thing is, it's highly customizable because if you're eating only one type of food, um, no matter how robust the food is, it's going to be nutritionally deficient in some way. The closest food that comes, that meets, that ticks all of the boxes that you're looking for based on my research would be sweet potatoes. They're easy to grow. They're sweet relatively potatoes. Yeah. They have enough protein to live off of if you eat enough of them. And they have all of the vitamins that you need to live. But even still, living off of just sweet potatoes for the rest of your life will not only A, be incredibly boring, but also B, there's surely something that we don't fully understand that you'll be missing by just eating sweet potatoes. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm kind of focused on getting that staple food. And I mean, I currently have a mix which has a whole bunch of different things in it, which I think yeah. probably has every, even that though, I agree with you that, you know, eventually your body's going to be like, okay, we need something else. And I'm also, the other thing I'm playing with is just grinding like rice and beans, right? And those, those have a fair amount of the things you need. But also, again, it's just focused on the bulk calories and then yeah. and something that I can carry around with me so that if I don't have access to a supermarket, which I think is a fairly likely scenario, that I at least have something to keep me going. And then also I live with a, uh, a, a 
This is people who own a farm. So they're growing food, and so the food is changing all year round. And also, they teach foraging classes, and so we're learning about how to you know, eat off the land. So, of course, there will be the staple diet, but then there will be the things that are I'm eating differently, basically depending on the Okay, that makes sense. Um, I would also suggest that you look into the Hyorogon. Um, it is a ancient um, Japanese war ration um, used by samurai and notably the shinobi, and it is um, it has a very specific list of ingredients, but it's flexible in terms of the way the the actual ingredients that you use. I've experimented with them before. And it's honestly not that fussy. So as long as you have things that are relatively similar to what you're looking for, it will work just fine. Is that, um, is that like a like a bread or how do they prepare it? Okay, so um, I was. And, and does it require a katana? <laughs> I mean, if you want to feel badass, then the answer to that is obviously yes. But otherwise. You can <laughs> Um, but what it is, is you take, um, this might be um, manually difficult to prepare out on the land, but you take rice, um, equal parts glutinous and non-glutinous rice, and you uh, grind it into a powder, um, and then you mix into that um, either chopped or powdered yams or sweet potatoes, um, and then um, ginseng and brown sugar and I think a few other things that I might be not remembering right this second. And then you um, add enough water to that that it easily sticks together and you can create um, small balls out of. Um, about, uh, like, I'd say an inch and a half size is usually about right. And then you steam them. Um, and you steam them until, oh, cinnamon, cinnamon's also in there. Um, but you'll have to look at the exact recipes for it. I don't have it offhand. Uh, but yeah, you, you spell it, uh, just create like balls out of them, and... you steam them, and then, um, you'll be able to tell by the smell when they're done. They shouldn't be rubbery, but they also shouldn't be dry. Um, uh, and then, yeah, they are compact. They last a reasonable length of time. They um, pack a lot of nutrition and calories into a small source. They can be easily carried. Um, they don't need refrigerated. Um, I've used them uh, multiple different times. When um, life gets hectic, um, I just have the ingredients on hand all prepared. And then when I need them, I can go ahead and get the mixture wet. Um, and then steam them up. So it's a bit of work to prepare the first time around um, and uh, the bulk of it, but then you can just leave it as a powdered form indefinitely and then come back to it when you need it. That so, yeah. Interesting. Can you spell what, what the name was? Um, I believe or, it. Or you can just drop it. You can just copy oh, yeah. and paste it into the chat. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh... Denin wrote an article for LimitlessMindset.com recently, but I don't think I don't think you're on social media. So there's a uh, Kaylin. Kaylin is on uh, Odyssey. Odyssey slash LBRY. Yep. And um, he has a he has a bunch places, of. So, yep. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe you guys can connect there, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be a thing to make a video about if you can if you can find a way to make this samurai supper out there in the in the wilderness where you reside. Yeah, sounds totally doable. I think I would probably adapt a few of the things there, but uh, yeah, it sounds sounds like pretty close to what I'm already thinking of trying. Another one is um, there's also so there's Hyorogan, Suikatsugan, and there's I don't remember what it's called, but it's essentially um, Japanese hardtack. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, grab the headphones. That grab one headphones. is worth looking into. It's harder to find um, specific instructions for how to make it, though. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know that it's um, got buckwheat and uh, sesame seeds on it, and um, I believe a few other things. Yeah, the ultimate goal would be basically be like lumdus bread from Lord of the Rings, the bread the elves made, which you know basically filled you up and it lasted forever and gave you huge amounts of energy. And hardtack is probably the closest thing we have to it. Uh, the Civil War hardtack probably, you know, not too nutritious. I don't know if it was much more than flour and salt and water, but um, yeah, the Japanese one sounds interesting. I'll look that up. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. They really knew their stuff. So guys, me and Mrs. Limitless, we have some comedic material for you here to share. We, so, so every night I try to tell her a story. I try to come up with a like story time at night as we, uh, like as a we, bedtime story. yes, as we cuddle, as we cuddle in front of our uh, red light. And so uh, my wife, like myself, and I think like you guys also has bottomless, bottomless ire for Dr. Anthony Fauci. Mm -hmm. And so we have come up with a story of uh, Dr. Fauci's misadventures in dating. <laughs> Do Dr. 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 Fauci, uh, his wife has broken up with him. And so, you know, he's kind of old. He's like 80, but he's trying to get back into the game, you know? <laughs> on Tinder. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, yes, so uh, he went on to he went on to Tinder, and then okay. So what happened? So he he met a woman on Tinder, but then she she turned out to have used photos from like five years ago, right? Oh yes, yes. Was it wasn't that the he goes and meets her at a at a sushi at a at a fancy sushi joint? He's prepared to. Uh, drop a lot of money to try to impress her. But then, yeah, he discovers that she has, uh, she has grown in the width department <laughs> since, uh, since, since she posted the photos on, on Tinder. And so, uh, he, so, so, so he, he gives her a very disappointed look when, when they finally meet there for their first date and she knows just what's going on. And, uh, she's, uh, you know, a, a virulent feminist, and so she uh, she yells at him and embarrasses him in front of the in front of the entire restaurant, right? Isn't that what happened? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And so then Dr. Fauci he decides to go to Florida. And what? Why was it that he went to Florida? What was because this? he needed to take pictures in front of um, NASA. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, that's right. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so Dr. Fauci, having crashed and burned once in his online dating endeavors, he <laughs> goes and uh, downloads a uh, uh, an info product, PDF guide to uh, Tinder. I think it was... Uh, Goonchivs? Goonchivs guide for discerning gentlemen to gaming girls on Tinder. And what he what he learns from the guide is that he needs to have these uh, these photoshopped photos of him traveling to uh, exotic places that make him look like a you know worldly uh, exciting worldly kind of man. And so he says, "Well, I need to go to I need to go to NASA. I need to go get some photos with the the spaceships. That's going to make me kind of look look kind of cool to the to the nerdy chicks that mm-hmm. are there on." Tinder. And so he goes down there to Florida, but then he encounters that tiger guy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. And so he goes down there and he encounters the Tiger King, mm-hmm. the, the guy with all that, because he, he knows that he has to, to uh, get, fo- get Tinder photos with tigers. Also, this is, this is quite important to uh, the Tinder algorithm, apparently. And so he goes and meets the tiger guy, but the tiger king is, of course, gay. And Dr. Fauci apparently killed like thousands of gay people in the 80s with (laughs) AZT. And so the tiger king is is furious with him. But he uh, says, okay, if you can get me moon rocks from NASA, then I'll forgive you and I'll let you take photos with my tigers. And then was the, and then this was the point where he had his his issue with chlamydia, yes, right? Yes, yes. Then he got chlamydia. Well, no, no, no. He had chlamydia. Oh, from, he had chlamydia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He had gotten chlamydia from a uh, there was a an undergraduate intern uh, years and years and years ago who uh, wanted to advance her career. So um, oh yes, yes, I remember. Yes. So Dr. Fauci got chlamydia yeah, from from her, from her and. Then he he decides down there in Florida that he needs to come up with he needs to come up with like a, a vaccine for the chlamydia because the chlamydia you know had just woken up from its dormant state because as we know chlamydia can be dormant for years and years and years and years and years but then when it manifests itchiness yeah it's very nasty and not just itchiness also pain. Yes, yes. Dr. Fauci is uh, itching, is itching himself. That's why when you see him on television, <laughs> when you see him on television, you only see above, above his waist. You only see, you know, you never see below his waist because he's doing a lot of, a whole lot of itching. <laughs> Scratching. And so the, uh, the science indicates there in, uh, that he, he needs to uh, use baby crocodiles to develop the uh, vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we, so he finds there in Florida, he finds a uh, baby crocodile shelter where, you know, like baby crocodiles, sometimes they get uh, tragically abandoned by the mama crocodile. And so there's a shelter that, that takes them in so that they can, you know, grow up and be happy crocodiles. And the, but unfortunately, the, the Florida man that has the crocodile shelter, uh, being a proper Florida man, he has not paid his uh, taxes since the early 2000s. And so 
Dr. Fauci tries to uh, put a uh, an imminent domain suit on his property so that he can kidnap his baby crocodiles and then carry out his perverse uh, scientific experiments with them to uh, hopefully try to uh, alleviate his itchiness via but, vaccination. But it's to no avail. Right, right. It's to, it's to no avail. Mm-hmm. And so then what happens is he goes back to his hotel room and he's, uh, you know, just, just itching himself, scratching himself incessantly there in his hotel room. And he wakes and up. Meanwhile, John, tell them about his crush. His crush. Who is his crush? John. Remind me. Vice President. Oh, yes. And uh, Dr. Fauci's crutch, crush, crush. It, crush is uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. Um, he, he oogles her photos at, uh, <laughs> at every opportunity on his, uh, on his laptop. And he also masturbates to her and to his own pictures. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. This is, this is the, the deep, dark secret that was revealed about uh, Dr. Fauci using, uh, that we arrived at with uh, remote viewing. You yes. know, with, with, with uh, telepathic remote viewing, we can discover these sorts of things about people. And so then Dr. Fauci, he uh, wakes up in the morning and he wants to go down to a pharmacy because he's, he's failed to create the proper vaccine and he just wants to get some, some proper lotion to alleviate the uh, scratchy itchiness. And so he goes down to a, a pharmacy, but unfortunately he has forgotten his face mask. And so they don't allow him into the pharmacy And so, dejected, he walks out of the pharmacy and accidentally steps in dog poop <laughs> on the sidewalk. And then he, uh, so he walks down the sidewalk thinking, what shall I do? And then he sees a limousine with diplomatic, diplomatic Britannic plates roll down the avenue. It's, it's one of those, uh, yeah, it's one of those diplomatic limousines from England. And the uh, limousine stops in the middle of the street, puts on, and, 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 and there's a man that's thrown out mm-hmm. of the limousine, uh, uh, an exacerbated, frustrated looking man that's thrown out of the limousine. Almost crying. Almost crying, yes. And then he, he walks away. The, so he, and, and he, he thinks that he might recognize this man. And so he, uh, he walks behind the man on the sidewalk for a bit. And then the uh, man that's been kicked out of his limousine sits down uh, at a park bench and just kind of holds his head in his hands in frustration. And who is it, babe? Prince Andrew. That's right. It's Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew of the royal family mm-hmm. is there in Florida. And of course, Dr. Fauci and Prince Andrew, they, they know each other or they've, they have, uh, you know, they, they engage in uh, similar activities, shall we say, I can imagine. And so he walks up to the man sitting there with his, with his head in his hands. And he says, Prince Andrew, is that you? And Prince Andrew looks up just a bit to try to shield, to try to shield his face. I mean, he's, he's embarrassed to be recognized kicked out of his limousine on the streets of Miami. And, uh, but it's him. And he said, Prince Andrew, what, what are you doing here? Uh, were, were you just kicked out of a limousine? And Prince Andrew says, Oh, Dr. Fauci, what, what are you doing here? 
He says, well, I, uh, science, of course. I, I'm here engaged in some scientific research. But what, what's going on? Why were you kicked out of the limousine? And Prince Andrew says, well, my mother, uh, the queen, she kicked me out of the limousine. She stripped me of all my, my royal titles. She, uh, she canceled my, my, my royal birthday. And uh, <laughs> yes, and she's, she's even taken away my royal credit card. And he says, why? Why would she do that? He says, well, my uh, mother, the queen, discovered that I had been uh, fucking pigs. <laughs> uh, that I had been, uh, been engaged in bestiality. I'm, I'm trying to change my ways. And so I, I, thought that I, should, I thought that I should try a pig. And I have a, I have a farm with a number of, a number of <laughs> pigs. And, but a, a, a video of this got, got leaked. And my, my mother, the queen, her majesty, she said that this was the very last straw. So here I am. Mm-hmm. Here I am, Doctor Fauci, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, yeah. That's that's how far our uh, that's how far Doctor Fauci's misadventures in dating have gotten. That you know, I, if it were possible to feel sorry for either of those guys, I would based on that story. But uh, I just I just can't bring myself to. I do want to point out that uh, like what you guys are doing, this practice that you're doing, sounds like every night is is a biohack, right? You're you're working on your your imagination and you're also doing kind of some short-term bonding you know you're you're enjoying this experience together and also you guys are forming memories together you know like let's say that you continue to do this when you have a child or have multiple children these stories are going to be things that maybe even you guys all remember 20 years later you know it's like a it's like a link between you all so i think it's really cool you're doing that I just wanted to say that all of his problems, um, Doctor, in this story, Doctor Fauci's problems would have all been avoided if he simply went to New York and found Barney Stinson. Oh, <laughs> yes. Barney Stinson, but he's Barney Stinson vaccinated? Oh, probably. probably not. He would say, um, "Don't worry, I'm not going to get COVID because as soon as I start to feel sick, I'll just be awesome instead." Yeah. Yeah, that's a much better plan than what uh, Dr. Fauci seeks what to What about the chlamydia? How would Barney Stinson help Dr. Fauci overcome the chlamydia? Oh, very easy. He would tell them, just stop being sick with chlamydia and be awesome instead. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Dr. Fauci would do anything for science. Yes, yes. <laughs> right on. Well, hey, guys, I... It was a pleasure chatting with you. I have to wrap this up because I'm actually a bit under the weather here and I would like to, uh, yeah, take some time to just chill, enjoy dinner, and uh, wind down and recover a bit. Did you tell them about parking cauliflower? Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get to parking cauliflower. In this, in this one. This is what we'll do, babe. We'll do a, okay, we'll do a J and G relationship advice episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dealing with uh, parking cauliflowers dilemma there in Denmark. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, see you later, Caitlin, Denin, and uh, Mr. Rock there.